You're listening to the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Book Club. Greetings and welcome to the Marginally Geeky Show. I'm your host for the evening, Eugene Stevens. Uh, tonight I'm joined by Sean, Chris, and Ray. How are y'all doing? Eh, good. All right. Dandy. <laughs> um, tonight is uh, whose pick was this? Was your, this your pick, Sean? Yep, this was mine. All right, so Thank moving along, so yeah, moving along with our random order pick we started several months ago. Uh, this was the book that Sean picked, and I'll be very honest with you: had he not picked it, I would have had to pick it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll, we'll just get jump in with our initial thoughts, and since I've kind of already started, I'll start off. Um, I loved this book. I there was a okay, so this is the third book from Andy Weir. He has written uh, a couple of short stories that are also out there, or novellas. Um, he is, of course, the uh, uh, the author of uh, The Martian, which is also one of my favorite books. Uh, his second book I thought was okay, but it never really stuck with me too well. Uh, I'll go back and, and re-listen to The Martian, you know, maybe once a year or whatever. Um, this is definitely being added to that list. Uh, there was a part where we got to in the book, and we'll discuss it in a few minutes, where I thought, oh, no, I'm not going to like this. And then it happened, and then I was like, oh, no, I really like this. <laughs> so, uh, Ray, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, I, there was a part of the book for me as well that I was like, oh, I'm not going to enjoy this book anymore. And and then, yeah, I will say I'm thankful Um I, I really enjoyed the book and the movie. I know there's rumors of it being a movie. If, if it comes true, they better not fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Whoever did the screenplay for the Martian, they need to get them back to adapt. Yeah, yes. Because Absolutely. any changes they might make, I would be like, okay, y'all know what you're doing. I can trust it. So sure. For those who haven't figured it out yet, the book is called project hail Mary. So oh yes. Thank you for Eugene that. Sean. has we totally just, dropped the ball I on totally it. Totally jumped. Cause I'm <laughs> so excited for this book. Okay. Thank you for that, Sean, which go ahead and, and your initial thoughts. <laughs> um, I initial thoughts. I love the book. I had a very hard time with the narration because mm-hmm. It's the same narrator as the Bobaverse. So I was getting my universes confused for yeah. the first half of the book. I, I was waiting, I was waiting <laughs> for Bob to show up. <laughs> oh, my. And it's not a bad thing, but it you have to mentally disconnect from the Bobaverse, which I just listened to like before listening to this one. Oh, no. Which wow. was even worse. And then... Yeah, like I'm, I'm so used to listening to Ray Porter, and then all of a sudden, it's very similar mm-hmm. type of books. And what the hell am I listening to again? <laughs> especially, especially the beginning. Oh yeah, especially the beginning. It's like, oh, am I just listening to another Bob book? Yes. <laughs> well, because yeah. the characters are very similar in mannerisms, and that's through Ray Porter's voice. But mm. oh, man, that was a hard go. But the book itself, top notch. Uh, Chris? Yes, I concur with the group. <laughs> it was very, very good. Uh, and I do agree with Sean. Because Ray Porter narrates it, he's a wonderful narrator. We love Ray Porter. We're listening to Outland again. He's amazing. Um, it was, I did have to catch myself and be like, this is not a Dennis book. This is Andy Weir. 
And we like Andy Weir because Andy Weir makes happy things happen at the end. So that's nice. <laughs> there was a couple times where she, I had to I her off the ledge. I almost cried. What do you mean almost? I haven't cried reading a book um, since reading The Host by Stephanie Myers. You cried in it? When the old man died, so I cried. I was so invested. That was like 500 pages in, and I was just emotionally exhausted. So, yes, I cried. Um, But this book is really good. Quinn listened to it with us as well, and he really liked it as well. He really likes um, those types of um, science fiction books. I got lost. I glazed over with a lot of the science, like I do every single time. Um, So there were chunks where I wasn't like so invested but i'm like i get it i'm impressed you know the science that's well and that was the other thing because yeah between the bob verse books which you can also get bogged down in the science yeah they were so similar like it was mm-hmm. like they were they very were like writing in the same cafe looking over each other's shoulders uh, yes absolutely and yeah. had had ray porter not narrated this I would have been like, man, this is de- definitely feeling kind of Bob-like. But the fact that he was in there, you, you can't it, – it's not like you had to work hard to get – like you had to work, like you said, to pull yourself out and keep going, this is not Bob. This is not a Bob. Yeah. Um, because like you said, he does get – I don't want to say bogged down because I do enjoy all that deep science stuff. And I'm, I'm – you know, I've realized like this science fiction um what did i refer uh resource management porn i guess is a subgenre that i love like it's <laughs> so andy weir uh the bobaverse stuff um oh uh, what's the 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 big series that you introduced us to Sean that we've all fallen in love with um oh uh, for the quarter share bills yeah. the traders tales same thing it gets very bogged down into let's figure out how we're going to do this and they break down the math and everything and i i love this in a science fiction <laughs> setting um so let's go ahead and start off uh so the book literally we're not going to go through it like you know page by page but uh the book literally starts off and it's just like the main character doesn't know where he is he doesn't know what's happening and uh you know we we have an idea of okay we know at least takes place in space so we at least have an idea that okay we're at least one step ahead of the main character we we at least know he's probably on a spaceship um I mean, not necessarily, but we're pretty, you know, we got a pretty good idea. He's on a spaceship, but he doesn't know his name. He doesn't know what he's doing there. And he's literally figuring out how the hell did I get here? Where am I? What's going on? And I love, I love how he's incorporated these flashbacks that mm-hmm. help fill him in as he's going in. Cause it's a really good way for us to kind of get to know not only what's going on, but to get to know the main character as well. Yeah. Um, which the main character, like we've already said, is very much like a Bob, uh, just uh, uh, Ryland Grace. He's very he's there's jokes like there's a lot of humor to it. Uh, he's very analytical. He's very OK. Let's see how we can figure this out. Um, man, I. Yeah. So anyway, he figures out that he's on a spaceship and as he's going along uh he re- there are two other people who are on the ship they are both dead so he's literally by himself uh he starts to figure out and through these flashbacks and as what's going on he has been sent on a on the project hell mary it's a spaceship that is trying to uh find a way to stop our sun which is slowly but surely losing power and it's losing its power by these uh, microscopic organisms astrophage astrophage um so he's 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 been sent out here trying to figure out what the hell's going on and the first maybe half of the book 
first half of the book. The first yeah. half of the book, it's it's just him by himself. It's him trying to figure out what's going on and where he's at and everything. And the only other character interaction we have is his flashbacks to he's a, a middle school science teacher who basically gave the science community the F, you know, the the bird whenever he was like, no, you're all idiots for thinking life has to be uh, based carbon on based. water. Yeah. yeah. On carbon. Yeah. So I, I will say I like his interactions with the computer. Oh, yes. <laughs> he, he he does throw some pretty good jabs there. And <laughs> Yes. Uh, especially when it asks, like, what's 2 plus 2? And he gives, like, the expanded notation version yeah. of the answer. And, he's, and they're, like, incorrect. He's like, well, you're not as smart as I thought you were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, uh, yeah, so he finds his way around the ship. He's trying to figure out what's going on. And to these flashbacks, he figures out that he's trying – he's in this – he's in another solar system. That's one of the other big things he figures out. He's like, oh, shit, this – this, the sun that I'm looking at is not my sun. I am in a different, I'm, you know, in a different, uh, 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 uh star galaxy. System. So yeah, star system. Not um, another galaxy. Yeah, not another galaxy. <laughs> my apologies. Um, so, uh, and then we get to about halfway through the book. He is at this other place. He's trying to figure out, okay, it also has the same problem. Um, but it's under control for some reason. We're trying to figure out why it's under control. Maybe we can find an answer there to help us out. And then we get to the turn and the turn is literally, oh, there's something off. There's something there's there's something out there. And we figure out real quick. It's a ship. Yeah, it's a ship. And it's obviously not been sent because it's triangular. It's like no human would create this. There's no indication that they sent anyone else. This has got to be alien. And this is the point where I'm just like, okay. So his previous book, like I said, I really don't remember much about Artemis, but I was like, okay, in the Martian, it's. You know, it is science fiction, mm-hmm. but it's very like there's no aliens. There's, you know, he didn't find life anywhere or whatever. So that's kind of what I was expecting. I was kind of thought, thinking this was going to be more hard science. And then we get introduced to an alien, and the alien is named Rocky. Well, he names it Rocky, and it looks like a five legged spider that's basically made out of rock. And the way that it communicates is through like, not song. song, but by through musical notes. Yes. Will, will notes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Will song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And this is the point where I'm just like, okay, I don't know about this. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna go a little bit longer and see how it is. And I don't know what it was, but something, something just hooked me. And I, I think it's when we start to get Rocky's uh, personality, <laughs> jazz hands. Jazz yes. Hands. And I'm just like. Okay, this is kind of interesting. Let me see where this goes. And I, over the course of the book, I just I fell in love with Rocky because he also has a personality very much like a Bob. Like even the some of the ways that it says, you know, um, uh, stupid human and just <laughs> <laughs> human bodies are worthless. They're soft and squishy. Yeah, shut up. Just hit the button. You you need sleep. You're dumb. Get to yes. sleep. <laughs> I um, watch. Yeah. Uh, so uh, before we go any further, so anyway, so the rest of the book is him and Rocky's interaction. Rocky's uh, civilization is having the same problem that we're having. So it's them working together to try to figure out a fix for the astrophage and hopefully get it back to their respective planets. So uh, but they're in vastly different situations. So uh, because he figures out that he was on a the reason it's called Project Hail Mary is this was a suicide mission. And um, Rocky, not so much. Rocky can live hundreds of years. So 
Uh, he's hoping that he will eventually get back. But there's a lot of stuff in there. So anyway, um, who wants to just – because I already feel like I'm monopolizing the conversation. Uh, anything in particular you want to start with and just run with? Go, Sean. This is your choice. So. <laughs> um, all right. So to the actual format of the books with Andy Weir, I we already kind of talked about database management porn kind of thing, like how he writes the books. And he, and you notice in the Martian, especially in the movies and all that, they, they make a big deal. They, they take a singular character and he's able to expand that character through like internal thoughts. Um, and they, he does this with Rylance because the first half of the book, he's by himself and yet you're learning so much about him either through the flashbacks or just his interactions with his surroundings. And I find Andy Weir is so good at that. Mm. Um, now there, the other thing that I really enjoy is because he does that using science. Yes. Um, he doesn't take the science level so far that you start glazing over because you don't have a PhD and don't understand it. Even if you don't know all the words, he gives you enough to piece stuff together yourself. And it keeps things interesting. It's like when you're listening or reading this book, you're getting little puzzles and you're not even aware of it. And you're figuring stuff out and you get that that little, hey, I just solved something. And you don't even realize it. And I find his book and the way he writes the stories do that. Uh, it's I haven't found too many authors that can do that. And Andy Weir just nails it. And he seems to like hit them out of the park every time. Um, the other thing I really liked was, even though this was science fiction and like way science fiction, the way Andy creates a problem, and this one is with the astrophage. So basically it's a microorganism that is feeding off solar energy. And to make it, very very uh like he he's giving himself his own answer in the astrophage so astrophage is a problem but it's also the solution um they end up using the astrophage as fuel because somehow miraculously it's got like a thousand percent output of what you put into it and it it's a really like it's a science fiction solution but it's also a really simple elegant solution to a problem. So you don't need to like understand a whole bunch of science to realize, Hey, we can throw a match at some astrophage and it'll like create a nuclear bomb because that's how much energy is popping out. You don't need to know a lot of science about that. And he keeps dropping little stuff like that throughout the whole book. He's got this, what you think is a massive world killing problem, but he's keeping the solutions in like little bite sized chunks that, you're not getting lost in the story. And I, I just, I really, really enjoyed that. It kept you going throughout the whole story. I don't want to give too much away, but. Oh, no, man, it's fine. If you're listening to this episode, if you're listening to this show, yeah, yeah. hopefully you've already read the book, but. Anyway, um, I really enjoyed that aspect of the story. It's like, he's like, he's spoon feeding you, keeping you interested. So. To go back to what you were saying. Uh, no, I completely agree. He is a master at, uh, making it accessible uh, in the Martian. I felt like uh, he was doing that by uh, him constantly failing and having to learn from his failures.
failure. So it's like, okay, well, he failed, so we're learning along with him, you know, what he needs to do. And this one, it was beautifully framed from the idea that he was a middle school teacher. So, and he even talks about the fact that, you know, he has to keep, you know, I'm tired. I'm thinking in, I'm thinking imperial. Imperial. I should be thinking metric. Sorry, yes. you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he got, you know, it's you're right. He keeps it very. Um, I don't want to say elementary, but yeah, it's it's anyone can listen to it and 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 get what he's he's at. I, I'm like you. I also love the fact that it's okay. Well, this is the problem, and hey, it can also be a solution. You know, and they they say that multiple times. In fact, um, one of my favorite characters that pops up near, near close to the end when they're talking about um, uh, the Beatles, uh, the four ships, is the <laughs> the Canadian guy. Oh and yeah. It's just like this would this, this is like the if if it wasn't killing a world this would be like the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> There's like, no way that kid's from uh, New or uh, BC by the way he's from Newfoundland. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he's from the East Coast anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah no I, I everything you just said I completely and and totally agree. Uh, I love the main character. I love the fact that uh, you know we're going through this with him. Um, you know, as, as he's going along and yeah, he hits some stumbling blocks and has to figure stuff out or whatever, but it's never, it, it, it never jumps light speeds ahead. It's always, this yeah. is, you know, it builds up very quickly. So, um, Strat, anyone want to comment about Strat? I, I was going to say, okay, there are a couple of characters that I absolutely love. Strat mm-hmm. is one of them. Strat is one of those characters that, uh, I would follow her as well. She, she makes hard decisions, but they're the right ones to make. And she knows people are going to hate her for it, but she's got to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I, and the way that she does the, like the introduction into her, where I felt we really got a good handle on uh, like who she is, is the one in the courtroom where oh, yeah. She's, yeah, that was she's good. just, as soon as she, you know, she lays down it, she's like, yeah, okay, I'll listen to you for as long as I have to. And then, okay, all right, now I'm done. Here's the thing. I'm out. See you later. Mm-hmm. I, I have to get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> so that was great. The other the other one that I absolutely loved was the Russian that came up with the drive, uh, the actual drive. Oh, yes. Yeah, I absolutely love that guy. I uh, I can't remember his name, but I he felt like uh, the um, – he Dimitri. Dimitri, yeah. that's it. Yeah. He he to me felt like uh the Chris Kringle from The Guardians. Oh. <laughs> the the, oh. Jack Jack with the, the I just felt like he was that kind of a big, you know, he's a big Russian guy and he's like, Oh the power, yeah, like this is awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, those characters were fantastic. Some of the the way you know, I I don't know if it's it was always it was never like you know, there were lots of different ethnicities, lots of different countries represented in this. There were people from it. I don't think at any point it ever like really uh, crapped on anyone in particular. I, it poked fun, but it was always lighthearted. Like the whole thing about are all Russians crazy? Yes, it's the only way to be Russian be happy. Like <laughs> I totally could hear like you know I've met Russian people and that's that's how they are. Oh yeah, that's, yeah we all crazy. That's how we that's how you are. That's how you be happy in Russia. Okay, all right, cool. So. Um, no, yeah, he was definitely another standout that I really liked. Um, uh, so let's talk about Rocky. So Rocky is, it was heartbreaking to find out. It's like, well, how many, you know, he lost, uh, he lost the other two big people on his, on his team and Rocky lost like 20 some odd people on his team. And the fact, we you know, when we start finding out that, um, there were some really interesting things about his race that they point out. And so number one, they can't see They're They have no, 
visual acuity. They see everything through through sound waves or whatever. Um, but it made sense when he was talking about how, well, of course, if they couldn't see, why the hell would they want to go to space? Like, there's no reason. And the only reason they figured it out is because they had this issue. Um, and, you know, he starts talking about, you know, they're, they're, they have, you know, their uh, ability to manipulate materials was far beyond us. Uh, turning inert, inert gases into solids that apparently are just like fucking bulletproof is a, is a cool idea. Um, but like they didn't know about radiation. They didn't know about time dilation. And, and I love the fact he's like, oh, man, sit down. I got to yeah. teach you some stuff and you're not going to like this. See, but And that's what I loved about that was he – so um, when they brought – like when you bring up this really unique race from this world that's a super Earth, it has no – like the, so, the magnetic field is so strong and the atmosphere is so dense that light can't penetrate into – down to the the land so something that actually grows wouldn't need eyes and so it would need other ways to do all of that so uh i thought it was really fascinating um that he came up with those those issues right because if you don't know if you don't really know anything about light then yeah you won't know anything about time dilation and it's surprising that they were able to even discover that their star was losing energy so it's pretty crazy it was just, really well thought out. Yeah. 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 And that, that was really nice. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, sorry. Um, no, I was just going to say, um, I like, usually when you meet an alien race, they're so far advanced than humans. Um, this was nice because it was like a trade-off. Like, we're good at this, not great at that, but you're great at that, but not good at this. And so it was like yep. a really great um, working cooperative relationship. And I liked that. It was nice to see that it wasn't the first alien he meets and it's like super smart. And he <laughs> Except that always your units, you're bad at math. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, speaking of which, that's there were a couple of points in the book um, and one in particular where they're working on, I think they're making the chain. I think they're in the process of trying to make the chain so they can, they can get the stuff and they're just talking. And some of the stuff they bring up are, are some really interesting scientific ideas. Like how come like you don't think a lot faster than I do? And then they start having these conversations. Well, technically speaking, you only have to outthink, um, prey basically. And, evolution is kind of lazy so once it can get to the point where it needs to get it just kind of Stop. slacks off <laughs> yeah. so it's like well that's why because you probably are smarter than whatever the other prey animal was and once you got to the top of your food chain on your planet like we did it's like all right well i'm done <laughs> well and then the other thing that they bring up too was how come we met and it's <clears throat> they he said well it's really not that bad you're really hard to think of because you're at a technology level that we're similar to where we could build the ship and get here. If we couldn't build that technology, our planets would just die. And if we had more technology, we could probably deal with astrophage without coming here. Mm -hmm. So we're in that technical technological equal. He, he had a lot of elegant solutions to those questions that anyone would have brought up. Even the fact that they met in space. The odds of that were astronomical. And he gets by that by saying, well, Rocky's already been out in space for several, yeah. several years. Mm -hmm. 40-some years, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he saw this thing come flying in, right? And using uh, – and the IR that he would have uh, – his, his instruments would have detected the new IR from 
from the, the ship. Astro so, phase, yeah. Absolutely, that's that's a legitimate reason. It work. wasn't like they just arrived at the same time you know, mm-hmm. or anything. Like there's, because that would have drove me nuts. Yeah, that would have been. Little... There's a lot of science fiction, good science fiction that they do that, and it's like an afterthought. And it's like, man, we're talking about space and time, astronomical units. Yeah. And just to meet up at yeah. the right time. No, sorry, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah, how Andy got around that. Even 42 years is pretty tight, but... <laughs> oh, well, uh, it is. Believable. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, that was the thing with the astrophage, like, knocking out all these suns. Well, they all seem to be dimming. Now, they, Andy got around that, too, by using historical models by amateur astronomers. So it wasn't like all of a sudden we're starting to see the dimming. It took place over a long period of time yeah he thought about this and he really did and as a reader i appreciate that (laughs) see i almost wonder if because his first book was such such a phenomenal phenomenal hit like he literally knocked it out of the park for some alphabet you know out, uh, out the gate um the second one like i said artemis i don't even remember that much i'd have to go back and kind of you know listen to it again I wonder if maybe he was like, all right, I'm going to take my time because I think uh, I think Artemis came out in 2017. So it's been uh, five years, four or five years. It, um, it takes place quite a distance in the future, though. Uh, it's it's more of a whodunit in space than anything else. Oh, Artemis. But, yeah. So it, it's a totally it's almost a totally different genre of book. And see, I wonder if maybe that's another thing that he's like, all right, well, this is what I was good at. I, I know this. Let me go back to that because, like, and we've already mentioned this before. This smacks very heavily of The Martian because it's, you know, it, it, it's well thought out. There's a lot of science sure to Andy it. Andy was actually writing something similar to this one when he was doing The Martian. He actually mm-hmm. got about 75,000 words or something like that into it. It was uh, – I can't remember what it's called, Zeke or something like that. And it was a, basically a space-born organism, but he abandoned it. He did, He's like, no, this isn't going where I want it to. But he drew from it, and that space-born organism became the astrophage. Oh, so he, he got pretty far into a book, and then he's like, no, I don't like this. I Threw it away it. and then grabbed the things that he wanted for it. So And this could have been after the Martian is like, man, this is where my success is. I'm really good at writing this. Yeah. Let's take the elements from this other one and make it. So, so Eugene, I'm just curious as to where you started worrying about where the book was going to go. Cause I know there was a moment for me that it was like, Oh no. Okay. No. So my big turn was when we were in, whenever Rocky ship shows up, that's when I was just like, okay, okay. <sighs> I don't know. I'm expecting the more like the Martian and now we're going to introduce aliens. I don't know. If, I don't, I don't know if this is what I signed up for. And it, you know, you know, I love the Boba verse books. I adore the Boba verse books. So it's not like that was for what, like I said, I just had it in my mind that no, this is going to be more like the Martian. You know, everyone has said it's got, you know, really good reviews and everything. And so I just kind of had that in my head. And so whenever Rocky ship shows up, I'm just like, I don't know if this is what I was signing on for. We'll we'll see how this goes. And then, like I said, once they started to learn about Rocky, it was just like, oh no, this is 
I'm down for this. I'm I'm in 100%. So what was your part that you were So all... for me it was uh when Grace makes Strat to be the bad guy. And he he forces her to force him onto the ship and into a coma. And we that's we get the whole amnesia and everything. When that moment happened, I was like, oh, because now our hero is not the hero. He's kind of, you know. Yeah, he's he, a coward. He is he, a coward. And he even he says, I'm a coward. Yeah. And so that that was like, a, oh, no, I don't know if I'm going to like where this goes anymore, especially with Strat, because I was um, I thought it was really interesting that hurt like her and Grace had some chemistry that he didn't really see. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe he, maybe he's falling for, like maybe they do fall for each other, but he has to leave anyway, or, you know, there's a sacrifice there. So it's still Strat's sacrifice and it's still his sacrifice, but it's not the way I thought it would go down. Mm-hmm. And uh, so at that point I was like, oh, but then there's a redemption and the redemption is totally worth that moment. Right. And yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. So at that, it's at that point we think up to this point, we think, oh, well, he's he's, you know, he's volunteered for this. He signed up for it or whatever. And then once again, these beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, throwback scenes where and, and, and very well written into it as well. It's not like he just there's no reason for him to just go, oh, no, I just remembered something. It's like, oh, no, the reason is because they knock they hit you up with this this uh this uh medication and this is what it's supposed to do this is its job and the whole purpose is is you probably remember until you either a fix the problem or b you're so invested you're not gonna you know fuck this up (laughs) so yeah yeah because he even threatens to tear it down and and she's like you're not gonna do that so um so yeah that was and i love okay so like you were a little worried about giving I'm I'm just gonna spoil the hell out of it. So <laughs> we get to we get to a point where they have figured out they there's a uh, this harrowing scene where they're uh going through they're flying through the upper atmosphere of this planet oh, and they're collecting they're like there has to be something that's eating the astrophage or keeping it in line. Let's see if we can catch some of it. And uh they get it, they figure out um what do they call it? Um Talmiba. Talmiba is what they call it. And yeah. Talmiba eats astrophage. They're like, all right, cool. We've got to figure out how to get Talmiba. They end up breeding it so that it will live in both of the, the planet's atmospheres and their respective solar systems. And they leave. You know, it, it's, you know, kind of heartbreaking. It's like, okay, well, they're going to break, you know, they're breaking up. He's actually going to be able to go home. He's focused on the idea that I'm going to be able to go home and I'm going to fucking shove this in Strat's face and be like, you know, you know, you can go jump. I'm fucking hero of the world. So, you know, <laughs> suck it. Um, and then he, uh, figures out that the astrophage has gotten out or the, uh, the, the, has gotten out. It's eating the astrophage. He manages to save his ship. And that's when he realizes that poor Rocky ship is lost all power and he'd never be able to get to it. See, and that, that was the other beautiful thing about, um, about his, his writing in this, it was that the Taumiba, they had to make generation after generation after generation, and they bred it so that it would survive in um, in the atmosphere. Yeah. But what they what they didn't realize was that it also learned how to hide in xenonite in order to 
get away from the nitrogen purges so uh, that way it could still survive. And, and yeah, Rocky ship is made of, of xenonite. And so that, that was such a, a good twist because when, uh, you know, his, when, you know, usually in science fiction, oh, we're going to breed this thing and it's going to do what we want it to do. And it does. But in this case, it's like, oh, there's other things that have happened that we didn't intend for it to happen. And life and finds like, a way. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it literally it, like the end of the chapter is him going, OK, well, I have a decision. I can either go home. I can save my entire planet and live the rest of my life as a fucking hero. And no one will ever know. And or I can go save Rocky and I will die because I can't eat his food. And, you know, he, he goes on and on about that. I cannot eat your food. There was a part where they even kind of tried it just to see because his voyage home, he's going to have food for a little while. And then the rest of the voyage, he's basically going to have to eat like soy hunt. <laughs> yeah. And he's not looking forward to that. Um, but he decided, you know, he's like, I, you know, I've, th- this is this is the choice that's left me in the chapter. Next chapter. It's him. Well, getting further and further out can't really see it anymore can't can't detect anything and i'm just like oh man you left rocky it's like no he's trying he was tracking the beatles he fucking went to rocky and i'm just like fuck you like i didn't do a fist pump but i was just like that's the part in the movie if they make a movie that's when everyone's gonna be like fuck yeah you went and you saved rocky um yeah I, i i'm like you the 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 part that you know definitely painting him as a coward, and then the fact that he had this redemption of no, I'm I'm gonna make a choice. I'm not you know, I'm going to die, but I'm gonna save both fucking worlds. So or try to. Yeah. So. Uh, which which by the way, when he's when he reaches Rocky's ship to save him, and he bangs and he's hitting it, and he's like, "Come on, Rocky, you gotta talk to me, same channel as always." And yeah. then all you hear is Grace, and it's like. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yes. It's so awesome. <laughs> um, I love one of the other things. Uh, so like I said, we're full spoiler here. Whenever he is his afterlife, his uh, his time on Rocky's world. I love the fact they set up all this stuff. I also love the fact that he's become so fluent in the language. He literally is like chapter. And yep. he's like, oh, it's clock. And yep. it's just like it's like he's fluently. Like a person who speaks multiple languages would do, you kind of flip in and out of them. I I loved the fact that he did that back and forth, uh, it, you know, in that final chapter. And then of course we get this awesome thing where Rocky comes to tell him, uh, you know, hey, uh, by the way, it looks like your son is back to a hundred percent. So, you know, you did good, old man. Yeah, I love it that he was teaching in a classroom. That's what I was about that, to say. That I was so was- good. That was so beautifully well done at the end. Yeah. So can yeah, anyone I, tell me the speed of light and like 12 hands off of five kids? <laughs> yeah. 12 claws. Yeah. 12 claws. <laughs> yeah. So um, anything, anyone else, anything, any, any other particular things you want to bring up? The, the one thing that uh, I, I thought we were, I thought you were going to bring up when you mentioned them going through the, um, the atmosphere when Rocky enters in, in to save Grace, and you you can see like I, in my head I can just see smoke billowing out of this thing because it's you know he's he's in an atmosphere that he shouldn't be in, 
and then and then Grace sacrificing himself uh, to to get Rocky back as well. But then also almost totally fucking up and killing oh, yeah. Rocky. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Best intentions, yeah. but oh, I, you almost killed me. Was, yeah, you took oh. off my scabs, you bastard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the only thing holding me together. <laughs> but it's so true, right? Because you're thinking, oh, I got to do something. It was like, you no, don't know. You shouldn't. Yeah. I, I love that suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love the fact that you know he turns that in the in the book like something so that something that is very um personal to us, you know, sleep, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, that kind of one of the big commitment things, someone that you're, you know, you you're sleeping with cuz basically you are laying down all of your guards and trusting the other person you're with. Uh, and they're like, oh no, this is a communal thing. Like this is, <laughs> I need someone to watch me sleep and I'll watch you sleep or whatever. And yet something that we use as a communal thing, eating, they're just like, oh no, this is private. You cannot, you cannot say this. Yeah. Which so, after them describing the eating, I don't really, I understand why it's private. I understand yeah. too. <laughs> so, um, so let me ask y'all this, um, Given now, granted, we are in different situations. Uh, we're all parents. Uh, we're all married. Uh, different situation if we were the only savior of the earth and got, you know, uh, would you have made the same choice to save? Not go. <laughs> well, I, it would be hard for me to go. Like, here's the thing, though. I'd have to keep telling myself, well, if I don't go, here's okay. <laughs> There's a lot of things. Like, if literally the smartest people on the planet told me you're our best chance, number one, a lot of pressure. Uh, number two, um, I, I'd have to keep telling myself that that well, if I'm the best chance and I don't do this, then everyone I know and love is going to die. Yeah, that sucks. I don't get to be around them, but kind of have to do that. No, I was more so thinking about the choice of. Do you go save an alien race that no one will actually ever hold you accountable for? Or do you make the attempt to save both planets? And I would like to think I could give that up and save both worlds. I would like to think that. (laughs) I don't know. It's going to be awful hard to not come back to the planet and be the fucking savior of the world and see my family again. Yeah, and I get that. But after being through that much with that's no, that's that's family now, right? Rocky's family and yeah. how like I would feel like I fucked up because I bred this thing that's now destroying his ship. And well, I he also says uh, Grace also says that uh, he's his only friend. He's like, you're my only friend. Like, yeah, you know, I didn't really have a lot of people that I could count on back on earth and you know all the kids that i loved and loved me are now going to be like a generation older it's like you're it rocky so i for him i don't think it was as big a choice yeah it would definitely be hard uh like you like you said we're in the i think I, with I would, your wife sitting yeah right with you. with yeah with with my wife sitting right in here and saying you know yes it, it would absolutely be a hard yeah uh but that being said I wasn't expecting to go back anyway when I came out. Yeah. And she wouldn't have been expecting me back. Right. So I would have expected her to move on. Right. I would expect you to move on. <laughs> so I would, I would probably send a message and say, Hey, 
I'm off to don't save send a this world. Don't send a message. Don't, don't, don't send a message. Don't send oh, okay. Message. Oh no, I'm sending a message. <laughs> I'm sending a. Me- I'm sending. I'm sending multiple messages. This one's played to my friends. This yeah. one's played to my family. This yeah. one's played to the rest of the world. Hey, motherfuckers, you yeah. owe me. <laughs> I want the biggest motherfucking statue you've ever made. Hell yes. <laughs> Rule number one: No more wars, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, no yeah, get along, you mm-hmm. stupid. Yeah, you're on you're on borrowed time now. I, I I just saved us, so yeah. What about you, Sean? Um, if I was already out there, yes, then it'd be a no brainer that I would I I couldn't live with myself if I turned back to Earth and let a whole civilization go down. I couldn't do it. Um. Yeah, it would. I'd turn around and say Rocky. I'd send messages and all that. I possibly to figure that I myself was the only one in the world that could save the planet. Well, those smartest people in the world aren't that smart. So, <laughs> um, yeah, if I were in that situation when I was already out there, I'd have to turn around. I'd send the Beatles and. Because, like, my family would already been, what, what's the time dilation? Was it 30 years or? 34 years. 20, yeah. Yeah. 26. Yeah. 13 years there, 13 years back. Yeah. yeah, so over over 26 years by the time you get back there. Yeah. Yeah. It's and they weren't back. expecting me to come back anyway. Exactly, yeah. So. No, yeah, I, so. I have to turn. What about you, Chris? Oh, if I'm to save the world, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I have no scientific ability whatsoever. You have to crochet a blanket that covers the earth. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I, I it would be the guilty conscience. I don't think when I'm already out there, I've made that connection with the person, and to know with 100% certainty that they're doomed, and I can get to them and at least try to. To save them, I yeah, because again, I I'd be like, well, I already, I'm not going back anyway. Like that, there's I signed up, or I didn't sign up, but <laughs> it was a one way ticket, right? Yeah. yeah. And I I don't know if I would send messages. I don't know. I. You probably would. I don't know if I would. I don't because for me it would be, would it be worse? Would it be worse to know that I survived it all, and I chose not to come back? Because I needed to do this. Like, I, I would, I, if I got that from him, be a lot of anger. You know, there'd be a lot of anger. Be like, I don't fucking care about that. I'm 26 years older. Um, but then it would probably settle into, like, yes, it's him. It wouldn't be him. He wouldn't be the guy I love without, obviously, he'd go um, after the anger left. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would. And it kind of reminds me of those messages that they sent back in Interstellar. Oh, that was a tough. Like movie. that's kind of yeah. That yeah. it was hard to watch because yeah. it was, and that's what I would feel like it would be like. You know what would be the point? Somebody's heart's being broken, right? Yeah. Wouldn't it just be better to know that they were going and that was it, and then you could like grieve and move on? It would be almost like it would be traumatic to get the message back and be like, you survived and you're not coming back. It would be, it would be really, really hard as a hard I, to deal with that. 
I think maybe I would send, like like Sean said, maybe a couple of, or even Eugene, maybe a couple of messages. I would, like the scientific one would be like, okay, shh, don't tell anybody, but there's another race and I got to go save them. <laughs> and then my other one would be like, I love you all. Thanks for everything. I'm going to go do that heroin now. <laughs> oh no see i'm i'm telling I'm, I'm telling everyone fucking thing like hey guess what <laughs> not just one not just one uh world i said two <laughs> and we might go for a third <laughs> yeah hell yeah we might go for a third um i just thought of something so uh i think one of the other reasons i like his writing so much is in the first book uh i say the first book like it's a series in the martian uh, everyone on the team had dual roles and his role was a botanist, clearly scientist. Uh, and then he was the engineer. Like he was the one who was, he was the fix it guy or whatever. In this story, they even say you're science human. I'm, um, what do you say? Mechanical or engineer or yeah, something like uh, that. fix it or something like that. I'm, you know, uh, I was like, I think that's why, because the heroes of his books are, Going back to Ghostbusters, it's scientists and people who know what the hell they're doing. Like it's not, <laughs> they're not su- they're not superheroes. They're just average yeah. guys that know are pretty smart and figure shit out or whatever. So, yeah. um, oh, and then one of the other scientific things that are one of the other things that you know he, he points out that uh, and and like you've said, Sean, it's it, the way that you figure things out. You know, he's like whenever he comes back, he's like Grace, you came back or whatever. He's like, yeah, but I'm going to die. I don't have enough food. And he's like, well, figure it out. He's like, no, I can't eat your food. I can't eat astrophage. And he's like, then you tell me, but he's like, I can't. Can I eat tell me? <laughs> and it's like, oh, look, there's a very sensible answer yeah. that makes it. Cause he's like, well, it, it, it's a cell. It, it's this. And he starts, you know, explaining. He's like, I, I guess I could. We'll figure it out. And then of course, when he gets there, he's like, yes, I'm eating me burgers and you would yeah. too. <laughs> so. Um, and it yes, because the yeah, um, but no, I yeah, I just man, I really did enjoy this book. I've listened to it, I think at least twice, maybe three times. Uh, it, it's definitely going to go into the rotation of, all right, I got a lot of work to do. What's something I can put on in the background and enjoy, but I don't have to keep 100% focus on. Yeah. So, and I can just dip out. Oh, here's my favorite part. Listen and then go back. Yeah. So. Uh, so I guess, I mean, you know, normally we do a wrap up, but I'm assuming everyone is on board. This was a fantastic book and would love to hear more from Mr. Weir. Mm-hmm. I do oh, not yeah. recommend it at all. No, <laughs> <laughs> stay away. Ask for your credit back. <laughs> well, I will say though, as somebody who I, I, I like science fiction. I am not a scientific minded person. I was horrible at it at school. A lot of it. I just trust that they are, that somebody understands it because I honestly don't. He's tried to explain stuff to me, and it literally it's like he's the teacher from Charlie Brown. I can't <laughs> get it. But I trust that other people know what they're talking about. So when they do go into the heavy science stuff, I trust that this is just totally legit because I like I don't know. But what I appreciate about science fiction is the thought and creativity that goes into it. The amount of research that these authors must do in order, because there are people out there who are going to nitpick it and they're going to hear about it, right? Like there are people who are going to break down their math to see if that's an actual probability. There are people who are going to break down the science in the science fiction to see if it was, if it's plausible at all. So these people, these authors have to know their shit. And I appreciate that. What I like about science fiction is 
the world building and the different types of aliens these people dream up and it's the stories that they come it's it's like a different branch of fantasy for me essentially is what it is so that's why i think if somebody's not scientific minded and worried about or one or, or just dismissing science fiction because they just that's not part of their makeup give it a try you're missing like there's so many good stories out there um that just happen to be science fiction mm-hmm. has anyone listened or heard about any breakdowns of this because because after the martian i mean everyone fucking was tearing that movie or that book apart and yeah. Yeah, there is a lot more water on Mars than he portrays or whatever. So, yeah, it would have definitely changed possibly the way he would have done a few things here and there. But for the most part, most people are like, no, the math kind of hold like it holds up. His basic math and ideas and premises hold up. So well, the basic love- math will be easy to figure out for this book. The way he gets around it is the percentage of output he gets for his engines mm-hmm. that will dictate because like. Once you know how fast you're traveling, you can figure out how far you're going to go and what the time dilation is going to be. That's a basic thing that isn't going to change. So the only thing was, okay, how am I going to get faster with the the fuel? Well, and he figured that out because he's like, oh yeah, the energy is being like stored in some kind of like subspace kind of thing. It's it's hiding in there. So all right, well. Sure, let's go with that. There's the yeah. MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, all the other math will check out. I didn't understand anything you just. Trying to be like, I just it doesn't compute in my head. But I trust that you know what you're talking about, and I trust that you guys, when you're reading this stuff and you hear the the science part of it, you you have the working knowledge of. So, yeah, and you get excited because when they were when they were um, describing the fuel, like the fuel crap, I was just like, okay, so that's they're one making thing, fuel. What, that's one thing that I wanted to talk about, though, for sure, was I love the fact that they figured out that uh, astrophage turns energy into neutrinos and stores those neutrinos and actually grows in mass and then converts those neutrinos into yeah the IR and uh, light in order to actually move around. And I'm like, this is fucking amazing. I love this. And, and Chris was like, okay. Faster. That's what I heard. Like, and that's fine for me because it doesn't take away from the story for me, but it happens when science fiction is really like really heavy math and really heavy yeah, physics. Yeah. Then it's just like, okay, now your characters are flat. Now it doesn't matter because you've just science the shit out of this. And it's not relatable to anybody who doesn't have like a graduate degree in this. And, and that's where Andy definitely hits the nail. Like, oh, yeah, same it, with he, Dennis. he rides that line perfectly where it's like, okay, here's enough to make it interesting for people that are into the science and you can delve deeper if you want to. Yeah. But here's here's just enough so that I don't lose the rest of my audience as well. And yeah. so I, I did. I yeah, really enjoyed yes, that. Yes, that's what I appreciate is that he's he. Um, yeah, there's a, there's enough of a story there. There's lots of story there and there's lots of characters there and there's lots of I don't know. I just I got excited and I yelled <laughs> at, at the car dashboard when Rocky. I thought Rocky had died the first time. I'm like. <laughs> This is Andy Wood. <laughs> He's supposed to write happy endings and he fucking kills Rocky. What the fuck is this bullshit? I got 
really, really upset. She, like, she came down to, like, I was cooking breakfast or something where I don't remember what I was doing, but she comes down to me at one point and she's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I had a phone to pick. Does Rocky survive? <laughs> like, I, I don't want to read this if he doesn't because this I, is stupid. <laughs> You have to keep listening. I can't give anything away. She's like, fuck that. You need to tell me. Is Rocky <laughs> <laughs> yes, Rocky survives. Okay, I'll keep listening. I'm like, okay, good. Normally, I don't want spoilers. Normally, I'm like, no, no, I'm good. But this, this was like, no, no, you can't make me fall in love with this five-arm care pit freaking spider thing who has jazz hands and then kill him off. I can't handle it. Can't. I love the fact that you used the term spe- like it was even in the trailer for The Martian. I'm gonna science the shit out of this. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, let's let's go ahead and move on to uh, what we've been reading. Uh, would anyone like to go first? I will. All right, uh, Sean. What what else have you been reading? Um, so I am re-listening to Demon by Daniel Suarez. Ah. Um. This is like my third time through it it's just i love it so much demon and freedom so it's a two book series mm-hmm. um i'm told by eugene he's listened to it before oh i, I love daniel, daniel suarez, suarez is, is so good he is a fantastic writer not all of his books hit is they're all good they're all good books but there are clearly some that are standouts and yeah. freedom and and demon are two of his standout books yeah. um i so, think I think if we could get if we could get Chris and um, uh, Jen through the first book, I think they would adore Freedom because of the ideas that are put forth with the yeah the yeah. new world stuff. I yeah. think they would be like, "Fuck yes, this is what I want in life." <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is so like it, it's well written, but it's so well thought out. Like, oh my god, he must have had like a map on like an entire wall of his house figuring all this stuff out and anyway listen to it people <laughs> it is uh it's kind of science fiction it's more fiction than anything else it deals with a demon that is a computer program and it basically it's a Yes. yes, that's it. By Daniel Suarez. And it's basically a billionaire genius who dies and he leaves behind a present for humanity called this demon. It's a program. And it's basically going to rewrite our society. It, it is huge. It's got to go through a lot of stuff. It's not sentient. It's all a logic tree. Yep. It's crazy. But uh, highly recommended if you're into kind of thrillers and well-thought-out stories. There is some pretty brutal stuff in it yes. in both the books. But two-book series, 100% recommend. Yep. That's what I was saying. If, you could, if, if we could get uh, uh, Chris and Jen through the first book, yeah. y'all would love some of the stuff in the second one. The second one was where they would shine. They could probably bring it on to what's that geeky show that they do sustainably something sustainably geeky yeah <laughs> interesting yeah but yeah it the second book is perfect for them but you gotta get through the first one yep. which is awesome but you may not like it i don't know <laughs> uh ray have you been reading anything else uh so 
with Chris, uh, we were listening to Harry Potter. Uh, just sort of. Just sort of on just and off as, as we're doing longer drives. Um, and then we flipped it over to Outland to re-listen to that one uh, just because – there was an announcement made by one of our yes. authors, and yeah. we're excited! Yes. <laughs> so yeah, Dennis C. Taylor coming up with two more Bobiverse books. And excited about that. And two more other non-Bob books. Yeah, and he didn't say what, but hopefully one's Outland. Oh, oh it's gotta be. I Have really want be. some more Outland. So, hoping. Come on, Dennis. Yep. Uh, and then uh, I have burned through... Uh, quarter share, and I'm actually <laughs> on captain share again. <laughs> through that whole. I love thing. the fact I got you guys on that. Dude, <laughs> yeah, I, yes. Listen, the so I I actually got uh, his new one. Um, what's it called? I just haven't listened to it. The uh, Butler, uh, the Wizard's Butler. Sorry, the Wizard's Butler is another one that I also listened to. Okay. Um, but. The uh, Dark Knight Station Origins. Um, I, oh, okay, yeah. I started listening to that one, and I was like, you know what? I need to go back and listen to all of this one, and then that way I get all the little, you know, tidbits here and there. So, uh, yeah, I'm on Captain Chair. I'm gonna burn through the rest of that, and then I'm gonna go back to uh, uh, the Origins. So, yeah. okay. Uh, Chris, what about you? Uh, so I um, listened to The Wizard's Butler by Nathan Lowell. It was really good. I really liked it. Um, it was a really cute idea. Uh, and then I finished, finally finished. It took me almost six months. But I finally finished <laughs> Return of the King. <laughs> Technically, I finished the story part a long time ago. But the last like 200 or so pages of that book are just history encyclopedic knowledge i don't know why my dog's freaking out um but i was like okay no he wrote all this i'm going to read it um and a lot of it was really interesting just like the genealogy and timelines i got really messed up with the first second third age when it starts names for different things whatever but it was still really interesting that this came from one dude and it just it reads like yes like actual legit history and it was just really really cool and then the last two appendix e and f are just strictly language and this man was like freaking linguistic genius it was amazing that he thought of all of just the little details that this man thought of. it was really cool um she has a new uh, understanding and uh for stephen colbert it was <laughs> oh my god He's such a nerd. And then we went to the bookstore. We've gone to the bookstore a couple of times. And my fa- one of my favorite smut authors, her name's Sherilyn Kenyon. She's just as nuts as her worlds that she builds. I think she got a little from writing them a little bit too much. She's convinced her husband has been poisoning her and that the law system is completely corrupt. So she doesn't put anything out in like two years, three years. And she's not going to be putting anything new out for another year or two. But I found a book I hadn't got a hold of yet. And it sucks. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. I have read like mo- like part of it. I br- like as soon as she st- it's so broody and it's so whiny and there's nothing happening. And I have like 20 pages left and this is the longest it's taken me to get through one of her books. Was that it's- Stephanie Mayer? No. <laughs> we did talk about actually going back through Twilight. I'll read Twilight series just... again. We watched the movie the other day. Such trash. So good. Catherine was reading that, I think. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm almost done that. And then I bought Stardust uh, um, by Neil Gaiman and Stephen Fry's Mythos. So I'm really interested to read those two because Stephen Fry's got another one out called Heroes. And I want to, if I can get through Mythos, then I want to read Heroes. Okay. What did you go get, grab there, Ray? Oh, I, I yeah, forgot you, you, because you, you, I, I showed uh, I showed this this one on uh, the creatively. creatively geeky and it's just uh, a fun dude crafts thing. Uh, <laughs> it talks about different dude crafts. Dude crafts. Cute. Um, but it it has some fun stuff in here that I want to try for Halloween and um, there's just some gags and stuff like that as well. But um, Where'd it go? You want there's, to do the head in a jar. I do the one. There's a head in a jar thing. I can't find it right now. That's okay. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of <clears throat> like creating a, a whip out of a bungee cord and All you know that kind of stuff. So nice. kind of a cool one there. And then the other one um, was carving. Oh, and okay. I want to get into doing a couple of. I've got some uh, boards. That I want to make some signs, and so it talks about making like really fine details and all the how tos on that. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun doing some extra little things on that. Very nice. Uh, let's see here. So, I'm still, I'm just now kind of getting back into listening to books, mainly doing podcasts or whatever. I, last month, I just I couldn't listen to anything. I just, for whatever reason, my brain was not able to handle taking on anything else. Um, so I listened uh, I listened to Grand Theft Astro, which is the, uh, if you have an Audible subscription, it is free on Audible. It is from Scott Meyer. Um, only in America. Only in America. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Only in the U.S. Yeah. Um, it's okay. It's, uh, it's, I I would have rather him put out something else in the other universes that I already enjoy. Specifically, I am dying for another authorities book. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. But otherwise, it wasn't bad, especially if you're in the U.S. and you have an Audible subscription. Definitely download it and listen to it. It's it's, it's worth you know listening to. Uh, the other thing that I listened to was The Wizard's Butler by Nathan Lowell. Uh, and... Um, yeah, definitely nothing like he's already written, and I really enjoyed it, and oh, I definitely see us probably reviewing it on this show sometime in the future. So uh, he it does say at the end, book one in the Wizards Butler series, and I'm like, all right, cool. I even asked before the show, I was like, so are, are there more in this series? And apparently not yet, and I'm just like, oh, man. So... <laughs> Uh, yes, I, I enjoyed it and I, I like this world that he's built and I cannot wait to keep playing in this world. So, yeah. uh, well, that is it for our show this week. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, our next book, this will be the final book in the, uh, kind of round Robin series that we did. Uh, I need to talk with the group and see if we want to do this again, or if we just want to, or if we want to go back to voting, we'll see. Um, but next month's book is my pick and it will be for September leading into October. So I thought, why not pick something that uh, a book that I love, a book that I have read multiple, multiple times. And oddly enough, being a, a geeky book show, we have not read a Stephen King book yet. So I thought, what? Why the hell not? Let's get started with a Stephen King book. And I picked one of my absolute favorite of his, which is Salem's Lot. Uh, so that's what we'll be reading next month. 
If you would, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, wherever it is you listen to this show. You can check us out at epicallygeeky.com, where you can find all of the shows that we do, including the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Show, the Creatively Geeky Show, and Sustainably Geeky Show. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Epically Geeky as well. Where can we find you online, Ray? Uh, the Reluctant Yeti on Instagram is probably the best spot. Otherwise, um, Wikifeet. Oh my god! No, <laughs> uh, it's a uh, it's a new video. Uh, Julie Nyolki, uh, who does the um, uh, par- uh, pandemic, uh, where she talks to herself. Okay, uh, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. she did another uh, another gag today about Ricky Feet. It was kind of funny. So okay, I was like, what are you? Doing? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> thought maybe you were cross referencing my uh, the last episode of the Epic Geeky Show where I came up with the. Uh, the uh, alternative porn sites. <laughs> I was like, oh, right, what's going on? You're not far off with WikiFeet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris, where where can we find you online? On Instagram at Rose and Hummingbird. Uh, Sean, where can we find you online? Well, your favorite broken toy on Instagram, and as always, fucking with Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> And as always, you can find my individual wacky adventure online at Optimus Gene on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For everyone on the site, have a good night. has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network. 